I'd like to show you a tool or a piece of equipment, and then what I'd like you to do is just see if you can guess what occupation goes along with this tool. Okay, you got it? All right, I'll, I'll show you one here. For example, a hammer. Well, I suppose most of us would say we associate this with a carpenter, right? You get that one? Or um, how about this one? Pipe wrench. Now, probably a plumber, although plumbers uh, tend to use a lot of PVC today, so maybe we should go with this one, right? Plunger instead. Well, how about uh, this one? Can you see it? This is a whistle, okay? What do you associate a whistle with? I, I would probably say a referee. Some of you might say a coach, a teacher, perhaps even a police officer directing traffic, that sort of thing. Um, how about this one? A stethoscope. Yeah, usually we think of a nurse, we think of a doctor, or maybe if the stethoscope doesn't do it for you, maybe these will, right? The gloves. Now let's don't uh, let's don't think about that. Um, but the significance of these objects is this: it's really difficult to do your occupation without these, or at least it, you're not going to be very effective if you do it. You know, try building a house if you're a carpenter without a hammer. You know, try. Um, refereeing a basketball game and trying to stop play during that game without a whistle. Try listening to someone's heart or to listen to their breathing if you're a doctor or nurse, if you don't have a stethoscope. Well, you know, discipline works in the same way. In fact, discipline is the tool that makes life work. Now, we're in a series right now on the book of Proverbs called Life is Complicated, Get It Right. And really the theme of the book of Proverbs is wisdom. It talks about how to be wise. But discipline is that tool that will make you wise. So you know what? If you want to be wise, during the months of January and February, we're reading through the book of Proverbs in the Ridge Reading Challenge. Read along with us. Put that into practice. And man, you're going to find that you're so much wiser. But you know, I can remember for years reading Proverbs 1, 1-7. to Those first seven verses set the tone for the book. Um, they, they tell us the theme and just give us the foundation for what the book is all about. And I read through that many, many times from the perspective of what it says, those first seven verses, about wisdom. And, you know, why not? I mean, the word wisdom or a form thereof in the book of Proverbs occurs 113 times. The opposite of that, the word foolish or foolishness occurs 96 times. So not only does the book of Proverbs tell you how to be wise, it also tells you how to avoid being foolish, or it tells you how to avoid the person who is foolish. Now, in these first seven verses of Proverbs, the word wise or wisdom occurs five times alone. But what I failed to realize when I would read those verses is that the word discipline is you find it three times in those verses. And so there's a close connection between wisdom and 
discipline. And what is that? Well, I'm going to read to you those first seven verses. And as I do, see if you can see what that connection is between wisdom and discipline. Here we go. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and Discipline, there's that word, to, to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right, just, and fair. These Proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the young. Let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance by exploring the meaning of these Proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and the riddles. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. There it is. Maybe maybe this analogy will help pull it all together for us. The analogy of building a house. Trusting God is the foundation of the house. We're going to talk about that next week. Any of you know Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. So that's the foundation. Wisdom would be the building materials for the house. We talked about that last week. Adam talked about it. Um, as well. But discipline would be the tools that help you build that house. Now, I know when I say the word discipline, for some of you, it conjures up all sorts of negative thoughts. Maybe you think of someone getting in trouble. You know, a child in timeout, a soldier getting yelled at, a student being expelled from school. For some of you, you think of something painful, unpleasant, rigid, strict. You know, you say, my New Year's resolution is to break this habit. My New Year's resolution has to do with dieting and exercising. By the end of January, you've blown it again and you're like, I can't be a disciplined person, and you think discipline is what keeps you from having a happy and joy-filled life. However, some people have figured out how to make discipline their greatest ally. You know, just ask someone who goes to the doctor for an annual physical, and the doctor says to them, Man, you know, you are in great shape. Your heart is really strong. All your numbers look so good. Your weight's right where it needs to be. You are a picture of health. Whatever you're doing, if it's dieting and exercise, keep doing it. They'll walk out of there going, man, I feel like a million bucks and I owe it all to discipline. Ask someone who just won the Boston Marathon, how they feel about discipline. And they'll say, you know, going back three months, six months ago when I was getting up before sunlight, I was running countless miles. Sometimes I was running in the cold. Sometimes I was running in the rain. You know, I had dogs chasing me. But when I crossed that finish line and won the Boston Marathon, it was worth it. And I owe it all to discipline. Now, Des Linden is the last woman to have won the Boston Marathon in It was in 2019. And I love her quote. Here's what she said. Some days it just flows and I feel like I'm born to do this. Other days it 
feels like I'm trudging through hell. Every day I make the choice to show up and see what I've got and to try to be better. Is that awesome or what? And she would tell you that discipline was worth it. Discipline is what got her to where she is. Ask a follower of Jesus who's able to show patience to their kids, who's able to show kindness in a volatile situation, who's, ever, who's able to forgive someone who has wronged them. And they may say to you, you know, all those years of getting up early and having the discipline to have a quiet time, to read my Bible and to pray and to connect with God so that He could grow my character and change my heart and my life. When I'm able to respond in the appropriate way in those situations, I am so thankful for discipline. I asked a doctor in our church um, what his educational background is. He went to undergrad for four years. That would be college. Four years in college. He went to medical school for four more years. Then he had had a residency for four more years. And then he had continuing education and training. Much of that has been proctored so that he could develop his knowledge and his skill. You know what? When you're the recipient of discipline, you really like it. So a doctor who was that disciplined, when you're about ready to have a baby and you know that a doctor had the discipline to go through all that, or if your spouse is about to have a baby, you go, I am so thankful for his discipline that he had the discipline to to develop his knowledge and skill in a situation like this. Listen to this. Discipline can become one of the greatest assets in your life. And the book of Proverbs shows us how that can happen. Not only does the book of Proverbs tell us that discipline is of great value, the book of Proverbs shows us how to put discipline in our lives. It gives four principles that I want to share with you about doing that. In fact, you know, just like with some tools, you have an instruction manual. We'll call these the instruction manual for how to become wise by putting discipline into your wife. And here's the first principle. It's the principle of goal setting. Proverbs 21.5, good planning, uh, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. You see that? Good planning. That would be that principle of goal setting. And why is good planning so important? Why are goals of such value? Because rarely are you able to apply discipline without a target to shoot for. You've probably even heard the adage, aim for nothing and you'll hit it every time. Ask an accomplished musician, actor, writer, athlete, salesperson, business leader, teacher, stay-at-home mom, craftsman, attorney, shop owner, IT worker, nurse, electrician, accountant, or engineer, how they excel at what they do. And most likely at some point you'll hear them allude to the power of discipline. You don't get where you're gonna, where you want to go without it. And that means some goals. I will lose 10 pounds by Easter by setting a daily goal for calorie intake, by walking five times a week for 30 minutes, and by taking a different route to work so I don't go by the donut shop every day. 
That's actually called a smart goal, or a specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound. Now, Proverbs 24, verse 27 puts it this way. Do your planning and prepare your fields before building your house. Goal setting, making a plan, shooting for it, is the first step to discipline. You have to have a measurable target to aim for. Okay, here's the second principle. It says, the principle of delayed gratification. Now, delayed gratification just means you do what you ought to do before you do what you want to do. You clean up the kitchen before you spend half an hour on social media. You finish your homework before you play video games. You eat your vegetables before the chocolate cake. You mow the grass before you go to the golf course. You know, it even means giving God the first 10% before determining how to spend the rest. I don't know if she realized it or not, but my grandma drove this point home in me when I was a boy because she said to me several times, she said, when I clean the house, I always vacuum first because that's what I like to do least. You know, it really comes down to self-control. Um, here's Proverbs 5.23, which, by the way, if you're doing the Ridge Reading Challenge, we just read this last week. Here's what it says. He will die for self, lack of self-control. He will be lost because of his great foolishness. foolishness. Show me a self-controlled person or a disciplined person, and I'll show you someone who applies the principles of delayed gratification. Okay, quick survey for you. How many of you, when eating a piece of cake that's set before you, eat the icing first? Okay, and how many of you, when eating a piece of cake, eat the cake first and save the icing for last? Okay, saving the ice for last would be that principle of delayed gratification. You know, using this principle has actually helped me with sermon prep many, many times. I write out my sermons in advance. And there are times where I'll sit down to write and I just can't seem to focus or I can't get motivated or I just don't feel like it. Or sometimes I just don't have anything. I'm just staring at a blank computer screen. So I'll tell myself, Jerry, if you can write 500 words of this, then you can get up and go outside and walk around the building since it's a beautiful day. Or, if you'll just get that next point of your sermon written, you can call it a day and start again tomorrow. Interestingly, the New Testament of the Bible, Hebrews 12.11, says it like this, No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterward... There will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Consider the area of relationships. You begin to build a new friendship and it's going well. You're very fond of this other person and the feeling seems to be mutual. But you have a disagreement and it proves to be difficult to resolve. And both of you end up just withdrawing from each other in silence. Now you have a decision to make. Will you call the person and try to work out the conflict? Or will you just let the friendship slowly die? 
You know it's going to be a difficult and risky conversation. You know there's no guarantee that the other person will respond positively to your attempts to reconcile. I mean, why sign up for this kind of relational work? Why put yourself through relational pain? Why not just give up and find a new friend? Because the principle of delayed gratification says that if you pay the price of relational integrity now, you may have a wonderful payoff in the future. So you make the phone call and you say, I know this is going to be a difficult conversation, but I think we have to talk. And if we can face this painful issue and work through it, maybe we can reestablish our friendship and enjoy it for the rest of our lives. How about it? How important is delayed gratification? Well, Proverbs 16.32 says it this way, better to have self-control than to conquer a city. Wow! The principle of delayed gratification is essential to discipline. Well, here's a third. Another principle related to discipline. It's called the principle of advanced decision making. To put this principle into practice, it means you have the ability to look into the future and make decisions today based on where you want to go. Proverbs 27.12 says, A prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. Quite frequently, I see people who make decisions now without considering how those decisions will affect their future. And I'm asking myself, why? Can't you see how this is going to complicate your life? You want to complicate your life? Just do what you're feeling right now without considering the future. You want to get life right? Do some advanced decision making. One of my favorite quotes quotes from pastor and author Craig Rochelle is this. Why should I resist a temptation tomorrow that I can eliminate today? That is advanced decision making. In your finances, in your dieting, in your sexuality, with your relationships, with temptation, with career decisions, etc., etc., etc. Why? Because in the moment, we tend to go with our feelings. And feelings aren't always the best thing. They're not always the right thing. They're not always the wisest thing. In fact, feelings can be fickle. Um, I like to work out, and so I actually do that seven days a week. And most people just assume I have a lot of willpower. I just love to do it, or that I'm crazy. And you're entitled to your own opinion about that. But, But honestly, if I waited until the day of to decide whether or not to work out, I probably wouldn't do it at least half the time. You know, maybe less than half the time. Why? Because in the moment, I rarely feel like it. So, I can tell you on Sunday what I'm going to do on Friday. I've already made the decision. So I just do it. And afterwards, I'm always glad I did. 
Very few people are strong enough to make heroic choices in the midst of powerful temptations. Most of us are not prudent enough to make wise choices in the moment. So disciplined people make decisions ahead of time that will put them on the path to getting life right. One more principle related to discipline. It's this. It's the principle of celebration. We also need to integrate times of celebration where we just sit back, enjoy life, and relax. Times to reflect on how God has worked in our life. Times where we have no agenda other than just to enjoy life, enjoy the company of others and meaningful relationships. Some downtime. This is critical for sustaining discipline. In the fitness world, um, if you're training hard, the term is used recovery. Recovery is absolutely essential in training. Or you'll actually see diminishing results and you'll burn out. God did not intend life to be a grind all the time. In fact, listen to the words of Proverbs 17.22, a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. Leading a chaotic, scattered, disordered, purposeless, undisciplined life will lead to anxiety, frustration, and even depression. But living a rigid, dull, draining life can have the same effect. You know, when Jesus was on earth, He modeled a balanced lifestyle for us. He sprinkled in mountain walks, seaside campfires, boat trips, wedding celebrations, slow-paced dinner parties, all into his schedule. Balance is the key. Now, we can all find areas of our lives that need improvement and need refining. Often, We can even be selectively disciplined. You know, there are certain areas of our lives that are very controlled, but there's like there's one or two areas that need work or can even be out of control. So here's what I want you to do today. First, I'm going to ask you to set a goal. Find one area where you can say, I need more discipline in this area of my life. Is it diet, health, fitness? Is it too much time on your phone, social media, video games? A daily quiet time with God, money management, time management, a habit or a temptation to overcome. Make it a smart goal. Specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound. Then, read through the principles we've gone over today and create a plan for that goal. And then, do it. You'll be glad you did. I'd like to pray. God, how I thank You so much for the Bible, Your Word, and even a book like Proverbs, which is so practical and just shows us how to get life right. Life is complicated. And sometimes we can make it more complicated with our decisions or our lack of discipline. So my prayer is that each one of us today could just begin to put into practice to apply these incredible practices and the advice we receive from the book of Proverbs. In fact, that's my prayer for this entire series, that we would just take this practical advice that the book gives us and put it into practice so we can become more wise and disciplined in our lives because we know the payoff is always worth it. And Jesus, it's in your name we pray all these things. Amen.